0: If uh, you've you've not been with us uh, before, my name is Neil. Um, I'm one of the one of the pastors here, and uh, for the last uh, uh, few weeks um, we've been looking at a, a, a book of the Bible called Leviticus, which is a a little bit um, obscure for many people. It's part of the Bible, part of the early part of the Bible that actually many of us probably don't know very well. We've perhaps dipped our toe into it in the past and found it very weird and so kind of uh, come away from it because uh, it doesn't seem so easy to understand. The whole of the the book really has one major theme, which is about uh, be holy because I, the Lord your God, am holy. This idea of holiness that stands so uh, much at the root of the book and uh, I think as I've said it's easy for us to think of that word and um, you know we've sung about it a lot this morning about God being holy. Um, this idea that separate somehow different from us and yet in the midst of this book um, the call to the people of God is be holy and um Unless you're very uh, self-deluded, most of us would go, yeah, fine. Sounds like church talk. Doesn't sound like ordinary day talk. Doesn't sound like real life talk. But actually, of course, for these people, that's exactly what they were trying to work out. How do you live a life set apart from God in an ordinary life? And um, although the first two weeks we started looking at this book were kind of like the stuff you might expect um, in church, the first week was about sacrifices, and about how do you get close to God and how does God see you as worthy of coming to him. And the second week was very much about this idea of being a priest, about being bridge people between a God that we know and the rest of the world. But actually, the, from this moment on, what you're going to read and what we're going to encounter in this book are people trying to work out how do you actually live a different life In the midst of an ordinary world. In an ordinary world. And, um, uh, yeah, we're going to start with some of the sort of most mundane things. I have to say that sometimes I think the Bible is far more robust than Christians are. The Bible talks about stuff that we don't talk about in church. (laughs) Which I think is wonderfully ironic. The Bible is more earthy more earthed than we are because we kind of get into church mode into what we think is sort of holy mode and we think oh but all that stuff that's the ordinary stuff and the bible says there's no such thing as ordinary stuff actually what God wants is both to touch ordinary stuff and for us to live in the midst of ordinary stuff with a new perspective what I'm hoping to do in the, in the few weeks that come is to begin to explore this. Okay, so if you've got your Bible, and now there's, there's four chapters, so we're clearly not going to read all four chapters. And in fact, it probably wouldn't even be that particularly helpful um, to read masses of this at this point. So if you have a Bible, can you turn to chapter 11? And let me just show you what's going on in these chapters. If you're reading in the church Bibles, um, the ones in front of, in your pew, the, 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 the difficulty about the church pew Bible is there's no chapter headings. Uh, in, in, in some Bibles, they sort of give a little bit of a, an overview of what's going on in the chapter, whereas in the church pew Bibles, it's just one long continuous, so you can't quite always see it as quick. But in the NIV, the version I'm reading from, in chapter 11, for example, the heading is clean and unclean food. Okay, and it begins like this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, say to the Israelites, of all the animals that live on land, these are the ones you may eat. You may eat any animal that has a split hoof, completely divided, and that chews the cud. And then, the next verse begins to say, ah, because there's some people who would go, yeah, but, and verse 4 explains there are some that only chew the cud or only have a split hoof you mustn't eat them the camel though it chews the cud does not have a split hoof ceremonially unclean the coney or the rock um, uh, kind of like a, a a badger or a sort of something like that the coney though it chews i've never been tempted to eat a coney so i have no idea what it actually looks like the coney though it cleans chews the cud doesn't have a split hoof unclean for you the rabbit Though it chews the cud, doesn't have a split hoof, unclean for you. And the pig, though it has a split hoof, completely divided, does not chew the cud, unclean. You mustn't eat their meat or touch their carcasses; they're unclean for you. And so it goes. Just a cow. And then the next, it moves on to fish. Of all the creatures living in the water, the seas and the streams, you may eat any that have fins and scales. So that's prawns out, lobster out, crab out. Okay. And, and then verse 13, just in case you're tempted, these are the birds you have to detest and not eat, because they're detestable. Eagle, vulture, black vulture, red kite, any kind of black kite, any kind of raven, the horned owl, the screech owl, the gull, any kind of hawk, the white, little owl, the cormorant, the great owl, the white owl, the desert owl, the osprey, the stork, any kind of heron, the hoopoe, and the bat. So Alice Cooper, wrong. <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne, Wrong. <laughs> And so it goes. Then chapter 12 begins. The Lord says to the, said, the Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, A woman who becomes pregnant and gives birth to a t- son will be ceremonially unclean for seven days, just as she is unclean during her monthly period. On the eighth day, the boy is to be circumcised, and the woman must wait 33 days to be purified from her bleeding, etc., etc. Verse chapter 13 begins. When anyone has a swelling or a rash or a bright spot on his skin that may become an infectious skin disease, he must be brought to Aaron the priest or to one of his sons who is a priest. And probably in the whole Bible, this is the chapter that I found most difficult to read because it keeps going on about looking at these scabs on people. All right, and what happens if hairs are growing through it? What happens if it's an open flesh wound and all the rest of it? But what makes you clean? What makes you unclean? Verse 47 of that chapter is about mildew. If any clothing is contaminated with mildew, any woolen or linen clothing, any woven or knitted material of linen or wool, any leather or anything made of leather, and if the contamination in the clothing or leather or woven or knitted material or any leather article is greenish or reddish, it's a spreading mildew and must be shown to the priest. And chapter 14... This is infectious skin diseases. These are the regulations for the diseased person at the time of his ceremonial cleansing when he's brought to the priest. The priest is to go outside the camp and examine him. If the person has been healed of his infectious skin disease, the priest shall order that two live clean birds and some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and hyssop be brought for the one to be cleaned. And then it tells you what you do with all those various things. And then finally, chapter 15 begins... This is the, the, the this year in, in our first Sundays, which are all age worship, um, we're going to continue the theme. So we're not doing something different. We're going to, so next week we're going to do the Day of Atonement, which I'm really glad about because chapter 15 wouldn't have been appropriate. <laughs> the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, speak to the Israelites and say to them, when any man has a bodily discharge, the discharge is unclean. Whether it continues, whether it continue, continues flowing from his body or his block, it will make him unclean. This is how his discharge will bring uh, about uncleanness. Any bed the man with a discharge lies on will be unclean. Anything he sits on will be unclean. Anyone who touches his bed must wash his clothes and bathe with water and he will be unclean till evening. And then um, it goes down all the way through if you wish to read this. Verse 19, when a woman has her regular flow of blood, the impurity of a monthly period will last seven days. Anyone who touches her will be unclean till evening. And uh, anything that she touches will become unclean. Verse 25, when a woman has a discharge of blood for many days at a time other than a monthly period or has a discharge that continues beyond her period, she'll be unclean as long as she has the discharge, just as in the days of her period. Well, I think I don't need to comment on any of that now. I just want to say, go and serve the Lord with joy. (laughs) The central verse of all that is this. You must keep the Israelites from things that make them unclean so they'll not die in their uncleanness for defiling my dwelling place <coughs> which is among them you must keep them from things that are unclean i want to explore that uh, relatively quickly but to explore what's going on but the first thing i want to say is this we are not out to make you orthodox jews we are out to make you followers of jesus so whatever however you read these scriptures. You read through the lens of, but what did Jesus do and say? That's the crucial thing because actually we, and this is a really important uh, way of actually reading Bible, is you don't read from the beginning to the end chronologically. You read from the middle backwards and the middle forwards because of Jesus. So you actually start with Jesus and then read back and go, so what was that about now because of who Jesus is? And well, how did he deal with it? And then you read forward, well, what's Jesus wanting to do? So actually, the purpose of this morning is not simply that you might understand what was going on then. But the purpose of this morning is actually, do you think Jesus is remarkable? And, um, and I do hope that at the end of this, you will. You read these chapters and it becomes clear that actually they are concerned about things that on the whole, at first sight, we aren't concerned about. But actually, if you think about it, whenever, uh, whatever period of time you're in, there are some things that become really important to a society and other things that aren't. So if you just think about food for a minute, we live at a time when these things seem to really matter to us at the moment. Would you want to eat a takeaway or in a restaurant that has a one-star rating? No, because now we've got a rule that says actually it's about hygiene and hygiene is really important and, you know, the number of uh, points you get matters. Ten years ago, you didn't know. Ten years ago, the men from this church went out for an evening curry and uh, Uh, one of the guys went to the loo at the end of the evening and said, do you realize there's cockroaches all over? And the rest of us went, yeah, but it was a good curry. Um, (laughs) It didn't seem to matter as much, perhaps. We are obsessed with weight, obesity, anorexia. We live in a way that actually at this point in our society, in this point of time, we're really concerned about this in ways that we weren't 50 years ago. And of course we're really concerned about what's in our burgers. Tesco hunt, no. We're really bothered because actually there's some food that we in our country are not that keen on eating. Black Beauty is one of them. We're not keen on eating horse. If you're in France, it's not a deal. But here, we're not that keen. Probably none of us would want to eat a dog. Or a cat. Though actually, if someone asked you, why not? You might find it quite difficult to put a really good argument as to why not. It's just not right. But why is it not right? It is in certain parts of the world. So what is it about our part of the world that says it's just not right? It's unclean. Unclean. Well... What you've got going on in this passage are issues about food, issues about um, skin disease, and then actually issues about blood and about um, discharge. Let me just take them one by one, very quickly. The food. There's lots of people who've tried to think through, well, why are certain foods in the Old Testament unclean and certain foods okay? And the, the real honest answer is, no one really knows. They've tried to come up with very a range of reasons. And of course, we all want to know why, but actually, at the end of the day, there's no one reason that seems to be, ah oh, yeah, that's it, it nails everything. It's kind of intriguing that in the Old Testament, with this dietary law, there's no explanation. It's like God said. the way it is. And there's some foods that are kosher and there's some foods that are not kosher. There's some foods that you as a distinct people of God can eat and there's some foods that you cannot eat. There's some skin diseases that actually you need to take to the priest. The priest has to decide, are you clean or are you unclean? And what do you need to become clean? Not what do you need to get cured or healed, but what do you need to get clean? How do you get clean? And then there's all that uh, language and, and all that uh, law about periods, about discharge, about men in discharge, about nocturnal emission, all of that sort of stuff. And how do you live? clean. Well, before I talk about this cleanness bit, I just want to make the obvious point that what's going on here is that these laws covered the kitchen, covered the hospital, covered the maternity ward, and covered the bedroom. And what Leviticus said is there's no area of life that is outside of the holiness that God wants you to, to live. But wherever you look, actually, all of it is under God's care. So this idea of being clean, let me try this. The cleanness seems to be something like, if you're clean, it's your whole. That was a natural state for people to be in. They were clean, they were whole, they were complete. And things that were clean could be made holy. They could be used by God. But things that were clean could also be made unclean. They could be polluted. They could be made incomplete. And some people think that's why certain foods were declared unclean. So uh, why why couldn't you eat prawn and lobster? Well, because it kind of wasn't one thing or the other wasn't a fish that swam in the sea like everything else. And it wasn't a land-dwelling animal like everything else. It's kind of like in between. It's kind of like an oddity. And the question that's being asked is, how does the unclean, the polluted, the incomplete, how does that get to be holy, to be used by God? And the answer in Leviticus is through sacrifice and through washing. That's how the stuff that's unclean becomes holy. So, how does this work for us? We don't live in a world where we think about clean and unclean in that language. Although, there's echoes, aren't there, of an earlier age. You might still talk about people telling a dirty joke. There is that mental illness of compulsion to wash your hands. You might even see it. It's kind of interesting, isn't it? You woke up this morning and all of yesterday's snow had gone. But why do we love? I I know that the practicalities of it become a problem for some of us. But why do we love it when snow has fallen for the first time, and it covers everything when we're inside. Why do we love it? Because actually, everything that is ordinary is made clean. Walking this morning just reminded me that yeah, it's it, it was a nuisance to have it all slippy. Yes, it was it's horrible when it all goes slush, but actually, when you just saw it in the rain, it looks so mundane. We long for cleanness. We may not talk about things being unclean. We may not talk about things not being uh, holy. But lots of us know that we live with things that just don't feel right. We might use different language. We might say it's just out of kilter. It's just not working well. I'm just not in a good place. I'm just not in the right state of mind. Things just aren't right. What does it mean to be in that unclean place? Uncleanness in Leviticus is not because it's inherently sinful. All of these things were created by God. It's not sinful. It's just in your daily life you get polluted <laughs> and then we meet Jesus turn we meet mark chapter 7 mark chapter 7 The Pharisees and some and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around Jer- Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews don't eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they don't eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions, such as the washing of cups, pitchers, and kettles. So the Pharisees and the teachers of the law asked Jesus, Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? And Jesus replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it's written, these people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You've let go of the commands of God and you're holding to the traditions of men. Just pause there for a minute. Jesus steps into this world. The world that some people, and it was the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who were like the guardians of these traditions. And they were the ones who would say to people who did have skin disease, you're unclean, you need to be out of the community. To the people, to the women who had hemorrhaging for many years, you're not part of us here, you can't be, because you will pollute us. To people who ate the wrong food, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were the guardians that kept saying, you can't do that. And Jesus comes. And I, this is, I mean, I know you know this next bit. But I don't know if you can feel how, how destabilizing this was. I was talking to Ian before the service about it. And he said, well, it's no surprise they killed Jesus. Because Jesus goes to the sick. And not only doesn't heal them with a word from a distance and then allows them to come back, but Jesus comes and touches them and makes himself unclean. Jesus sees the woman who's hemorrhaged for 14 years and allows her to touch him and pass her, quote unquote, uncleanness onto him. And Jesus allows his disciples not to wash their hands after they've been to the market. And so he allows the pollution, the uncleanness to go onto his disciples and onto him. And of course, Jesus sits and eats with tax collectors and prostitutes and allows their uncleanness to be transferred to him. it was easy for the Jews at that time to imagine that, well, we've kept all these laws, so God, you must do this for us. Do you know that feeling? We've done all this for you. You must do that for us. And Jesus comes and goes, I'm going to change the equation. I'm going to come to people who can't make themselves clean. And I'll take their uncleanness. The rules about diet, the rules about skin disease, the rules about discharges. And by the way, just, in, just for your own information, it's, I, I didn't know this until I started to read about it all. But when it talked about men's discharges, actually the, the Hebrew suggests that what they're talking about is gonorrhea. That's the discharge from men. It's gonorrhea. All this stuff makes me unclean. And Jesus comes and sits with prostitutes and goes, I'll take your uncleanness. I'll take your unclean. Jesus called the crowd to him, verse 14, and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going in. It's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this. Are you so dull? Jesus asked. don't you see that nothing that enters a man from the outside can make him unclean for it doesn't go into his heart it goes into his stomach and then it comes out of his body in saying this jesus declared all foods clean he went out he went on what comes out of a man is what makes him unclean for From within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. And he left that place and he went to Tyre, then he went to Sidon, and he went into the region of the Decapolis. He went away from the the Jewish land and he went into alien territory, and he healed people. Jesus comes into the midst of this, where you've got guardians saying, you can't eat that, you can't do that, that, God won't look at you like that. And Jesus says, I'll take your uncleanness, because actually the issue is not the rules you keep, the issue is the heart you have. What you need is a new A heart that does see food differently. A heart that does see illness differently. A heart that does see childbirth differently. A heart that does see the bedroom differently. That actually Jesus enters all these areas and says actually you need a new heart in these areas. We don't live as Jews. We're not in a Jewish context, really. But we're in a context where those four pictures all carry a certain way of thinking about the world and Jesus enters and says, I want you to see all of these differently. And finally, sometime later, Paul, the Apostle Paul, will explain how Jesus does this. If anyone's in Christ... New creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself and gave us and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. How do unclean things become holy? Sacrifice and washing. Jesus comes into our world and says, I'll take all that uncleanness I'll touch and that uncleanness and all that stuff, all that rubbish, all the things that hold you from God, all the sin, all that separates you, I will take on myself and I will become unclean so that you don't have to be. I will become unclean so you don't have to Paul can't tell you that, except he has to tell you, you have that ministry of reconciliation. That's the news you have for people. Actually, you're not stuck in the way of life that you find yourself. You're not stuck with the feelings you have. Jesus comes and enters our world. I was reading the two together. I just was reminded of the brilliant picture of Jesus. I think it's absolutely amazing what he did. And that's why he was crucified. Because actually everybody else said, you've changed the rules. And Jesus said, yep, you're dead right, I've changed the rules. Because from now on, I'm going to include those people. I'm going to include those people. I'm going to include those people. I'm going to include me. The best way to respond to this is through communion. We take the bread and we break it. And we say, this is the body of Jesus that was broken for us. We take the cup and we say, this is the cup of the new covenant, the new agreement between God and humanity. And you can take it easily and quickly and cheaply. And it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you can take it deeply and profoundly, and recognize that at the cross, he touched your uncleanness and made you clean. God made him who had no sin to be sin. The transfer happened so that you might be free.